This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. This is Blood Red. I am Dan Austin. I'm joined by Joel Rabinowitz. Uh, we are from Liverpool.com, which is a new website that's got the best writing about Liverpool, at least we think, anywhere on the internet. So if you're into that kind of thing, make sure to check it out. For now, though, we're here to talk about Liverpool's pre-season tour of the United States and the things we're most excited about seeing, watching, finding out about more. Um, and Joel, I think the first thing is that Sepp Vandenberg's finally going to play a game for Liverpool. It feels like he's been yeah. here for about five years already. Um, he didn't get to play against Tramway. Really. He still didn't get to play against Bradford because of the FIFA international clearance yeah. rules, whatever they actually mean. Uh, but he's going to play footy. That's exciting, isn't it? It is, yeah. Uh, I don't exactly know why it takes so long to take out something that's presumably literally just an email or whatever it is that they have to do to get clearance for a guy. Is what is he, 17, 18? Yeah. So Maybe everyone who works for FIFA is like on holiday. Yeah, basically. literally play some pre-season friendlies for Liverpool would be nice. Yeah, it's, it's a strange one because we're all really excited to see him. And yeah, I think if you went back, Two, three weeks ago, most of us probably wouldn't have known who he was. Um, but yeah, it is exciting. He's the second young Dutch defender that we've signed in the last year or so. Obviously, Hoover came from mm. Ajax before and he's another big name. Everyone's kind of looking forward to seeing how he develops. So um, yeah, it would be good to finally see him play. I think we've all seen a couple of minutes of him on YouTube playing in the Dutch league. I think played about 10 or 15 games in the senior team at Pexvola last season. Um, he looked massive. Um He's like one of the aliens off Space Jam, isn't yeah, he? The I video think... of him next to Klopp, where he's like comfortably well, yeah, Klopp, taller Klopp's than him. Was crazy, yeah. yeah, I think he's six foot four, six foot five. Um, so yeah, keep signing lots of big Dutch defenders. It seems to work out well for us so far. But yeah, looking forward to it. Well, speaking of them, I think this tells us a lot about Liverpool's sort of strategy as a whole, but certainly in defence. Yeah. In the, they had a problem at centre back in 2017, and they went and spent 75 million pounds on fixing it. And yeah. fix it, they did. <laughs> yeah. They bought the best one that's probably ever walked the earth. Now there was still talk a little bit this summer amongst the supporter base about maybe going and signing a new one, maybe Lovren leaving and trying to sort of upgrade your fourth choice man. But Liverpool are at the point now, aren't they, where they've improved the first team so much that this sort of succession planning is taking place. Yeah. So Vandenberg isn't bought, in my opinion, to play with Van Dijk at any point. He's poor, He's bought to be the next Van Dijk because when Van Dijk is 33, 34, Van Vandenberg uh, will be 23, 24. So it's about that kind of passing the baton on. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. And I think you look at the age of Liverpool centre-backs now, I think it's quite nicely kind of spread out as it is. We've got Van Dijk, who's what, he's just turned 28. Mm-hmm. So you'd hope that he's got Another, I mean, centre-backs can go on for a while, obviously, but you'd expect he's got at least two, three, maybe even four years at a very high level left. You've obviously got Joe Gomez, who's in his early 20s still, and then you've got Matip and Lovren, who are a similar age as well. I think it's pretty obvious now Lovren's probably going to stay this summer. Klopp seems to want to keep him there, and I think as a fourth choice, that's pretty much as good as you're going to get. Um, and like you say, it is nice to kind of be on those first four who we kind of, we all trust, we all want it to be Van Dijk mm-hmm. and then one more, whether that be Matip or Gomez for the start of the season. We'll have to see if that's another thing to look out for um, in this tour. But having those two guys there, Hoover and uh, Vandenberg, again, they're both, I think they're both 17 now. So you look to kind of ahead to five years' time, Van Dyke will be getting on a bit. You'd expect Matip and Lovren are probably gone by that point. Yeah. And you don't want to be at a point where suddenly you're looking around and you've only really got two centre backs and you need to go into the transfer market. So I think what Liverpool are trying to do is to kind of short circuit that a bit and get these guys in whilst they're kind of 17. Um, and you look at kind of the fee that's being talked about for Delict, somehow still hasn't happened yet, but it looks like he's probably going to end up at Juventus this summer. 
for a fee roughly what Liverpool pay for Van Dijk, it's going to be around 70 million, I think. Um, I think what Liverpool are trying to do is to find that next delict before he explodes onto the scene and everybody wants him. Um, obviously, it's hard to say kind of Hoover or Vandenberg are ever going to reach that level. Um, but you think you look at Klopp's record of bringing through talent and kind of the amount of analytics that Liverpool put into finding these players when they're young. Um, it is exciting and I think, yeah, I'd be surprised if we see a lot of them this season. They may get the occasional minute in the FA Cup or the League Cup, depending on what teams we draw in the early rounds. But I'd expect to see some of them in the US and uh, it would be good to see them as well alongside the senior players. Um, and especially with Van Dijk, there's not really a better role model to look up to for young mm. defenders. So, yeah. Uh, supporters all summer long have been asking about new signings for Liverpool mm. and they are taking a new player they are taking someone that wasn't there last season they're taking Andy Lonergan which yeah. <laughs> uh, I think he'd have got really good odds on um, at the beginning of the summer yeah. he left Middlesbrough on a free transfer at the end of the season yeah. he's been training with Liverpool because they've had barely any fit goalkeepers or certainly yeah. ones that are available because Alison Becker is still on holiday after winning the Copa America and now this fella who who would have been expecting to maybe get a backup role in the championship, maybe dip down to League One, gets to go on a trip at Liverpool. It's highly unlikely, I think, that they're going to decide to make him third choice behind Mignolet or something like that and give him a proper contract. But what a dream that is to, for bad. a footballer at that stage of his career to get a call from Liverpool and go, fancy coming to Boston and New York and Indiana? Yeah, it's not a bad deal, is it? He's probably sat there on his sofa at home watching us win the Champions League. Thinking, where am I going to end up next season? League One, League Two, Championship. And then, yeah, there he is, touring the US with the European champions. Um, yeah, like you said, I think he's 35. I can't really see Liverpool buying him or signing him on a contract. I think they find themselves in this weird predicament when they've got Kelleher um, and the other guy whose name I can't pronounce. They're both injured. Yeah, Yarosh, I think. Something like that. Um, and then, obviously, Grabara's not back from pre-season yet because he's had some under-21 championship with Poland. He's gone to Huddersfield on mm-hmm. loan for the season. Alisson's not yet back. So, yeah, it's kind of Mignolet by himself. Um, so, yeah, Liverpool do have a record of these mad goalkeeper signings. Obviously, we had Alex Manningo, who was, what, 38, 39 when we got him in. Um, and was essentially just a cheerleader by the sounds right. of it. He didn't do an awful lot of actually playing football. Yeah, he sounded like he was kind of John Atterbird's goalkeeping assistant yeah. um, mate more than anything yeah. just someone to keep back to big happy yeah giving to someone to chat <laughs> to so yeah uh, there was Paul Jones as well back in 2003 signed on loan from emergency loan when they were still a thing yeah. uh, from Southampton and was the greatest goalkeeper of all time <laughs> at Anfield against Aston Villa in the first game that he played uh, I must have been about eight years old at the time and I was talking to a few mates and relatives yesterday about it and everyone says the same thing that Paul Jones came in played this like one match and was incredible. He was like Levy Ashen, <laughs> saving everything, commanding the box, talking. It was like he played for Liverpool for decades. Yeah. So maybe Lonergan end up being gets a one. game yeah. against Borussia Dortmund in South Bend and suddenly they go, hang on. <laughs> He's better than the fella that's just won the Champions League in the Copa America. But yeah. um, it probably does make it less likely, the fact that the tour is, is pretty much on now because they've travelled over there, Liverpool, on the chartered jet. It does make it less likely that they'll sign an actual new footballer, yeah. I would think, because... First of all, he's got his group now. He gets to have a real good look at them in games against teams that are actually going to be a bit more competitive than the lower league English English sides that Liverpool have played so far in pre-season. And also just the fact that all the staff are there in a totally different time zone makes me think it's a bit harder to be flying back and forth to like another European country to do a deal with someone. They looked unlikely to be doing that anyway. Do we think that the group that he's he's taken with him plus the ones that are still to come back who are still in international tournaments or on holiday 
is what we'll be going into the start of the season with now. I'm leaning towards thinking that, yeah. I think a lot of people throughout the summer have kind of taken Klopp's words with a pinch of salt because, to be honest, he, he does lie a lot. Um, he'll say stuff and then we'll go and do something. I remember with the Oxlade-Chamberlain thing, he completely rubbished that once when he was asked in a press conference if you're ever going to buy him. And then obviously it ended up happening. So, yeah, he, he is one where he says stuff and then things will happen and we will make moves that he said we wouldn't make. I think this summer I, I do believe him with that for the reasons that you said we're going to be in the US just logistically as well under Klopp especially Liverpool don't seem to kind of be drawn into late frenzies in the transfer market they seem mm-hmm. to kind of know their targets very early on probably a summer ahead um, and get them in early so because Klopp likes to build up their fitness and have them ready to go into the new season with a full pre-season under the belt so the idea of Liverpool kind of being on this tour and then either while they're on the tour or when they come back just before the season starts making any kind of major move, I just don't see it happening. As much as I do I, I do want one more to come in, I just I think he's gonna go with it. And he was asked about that. He said, We've already got the new signings in, you just don't realise it. Mm-hmm. It is Soxley Chamberlain, it's Rian Brewster. Um and I think I see his thinking now, and I think we've got a battle manager on this one. He has just got 97 points and won a Champions League so as much as we can all sit there and say oh people on the internet will still tell him that he needs to sign this yeah. lad from uh, who plays for Boca Juniors or whatever as yeah. part of his front three yeah and I, and I think the one thing to say about that I would like one more as I said in the attacking department but I think and I think we'll probably come to mention him a bit more now but Rian Brewster if Liverpool had say signed a 50-60 million striker at the start of a transfer window and they'd come in and played two halves of football in pre-season, scored three goals and got an assist and just looked the best player on the pitch when he's been on it. I think we'd all be really excited heading into the new season and thinking how great is that we've got him and Origi um, and potentially Shakiri if he comes back from this injury as backup for the front three. That, the fact that he's been there for a while and he's been an academy player I think means that almost kind of conversely we're not quite as excited as if he was a new signing. Um I think that's just something that we're always going to do as fans. We're always going to want a new big name. But I think if he carries on performing, and it'll be interesting to see how he does when he's not playing against Tranmere and Bradford. But if he can keep scoring those goals against Dortmund and Sevilla and Sporting, then I think we can really get excited about it. I went to the the two that they've played so far. So I've seen him in the flesh now, Brewster, for the first couple of times. And I'm convinced that he's going to score more goals than Pele. <laughs> even, the, even the extra ones that Pele was adding on that were made up. going to be the first one to legitimately score a thousand goals in his yeah. career, Rian Brewster. That's what I hope anyway. <laughs> uh, but just before we go, we'll talk briefly because I'm really excited to just see them in America because I'm incredibly fortunate in that I get to go to pretty much every Liverpool game that I want to go to. I was in Madrid and that kind of thing. They're going to now perform in front of supporters. They only get to see them at most once a year. And if they go to Australia, if they go to Southeast Asia, they don't get to see them at all and it's on a rotation basis. It's brilliant to see the atmospheres in these grounds, I think. Firstly, because they're absolutely massive, the stadiums that they go and play in in North America. But also because it's people who are absolutely delighted to see them and they're not, as far as I'm aware, so bothered that Salah won't be there, that Mane won't be there, etc. They're just excited to watch Liverpool Football Club play a game, whoever turns up. And they do sort of nice community things there as well, the club, I think, from what I've seen. I, I really enjoy basically watching them go out there and seeing the little clips on social that, that supporters take who are not privileged enough to necessarily go and see them every single week, but get this opportunity and, and really take advantage of it. Yeah, it's great. And I think one of the videos, I mean, I spent days after Madrid just watching 
everything that I could about the Champions League final, the goals, the reactions, everything. But one of the best things that Liverpool put out after that was that, I don't know if you saw, they did like a global reaction to Origi's goal and they had clips from literally everywhere, from the US, from far-flung places in Asia, Africa, all over Europe, people reacting. And I think that's one thing that always amazes me when you kind of look at how how mad into Liverpool people are in literally every part of the world. And I think that's something that's really exciting about this US tour is we now go there, not just as kind of Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool, which is a big enough sell. We've seen it in the past few years. They've sold out stadiums in the US, but they're now going there with that big European champions tag. And I think that's obviously going to bring its own excitement, but I think you also get kind of a whole new wave of fans, really, maybe people who are kind of vaguely into English football or trying to get into it or even just watched it because it's a big game and they knew it was on and then they see Liverpool doing that in Madrid and now they get to see them come to the US. I think that's really exciting and I think in terms of the club's kind of growth over there, having three games like that is against kind of high-quality European opposition as well. It's not kind of... They're not going to be non-entity games. You know, we're playing Dortmund, which has got its own kind of story with Klopp's former club and everything there. Um, and I think, like you said, the fact that Mane and Salah and Firmino are not going to be there is kind of, it's neither here nor there, really. They're going to get to see the European champions come to their country um, and play, especially in some kind of quite exciting grounds and Notre Dame stadiums, never hosted football before. That's going to be a new one. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be great. And I think all the supporters got lucky enough to have tickets to so have a great time for sure. Speaking of American supporters and celebrations, there's a video on the Blood Red YouTube channel uh, where some footage is being compiled of uh, various supporters clubs, things that people have just taken in bars that they go to. Uh, so if you have a look on the channel, just scroll down a little bit and we'll put the link in the description as well. There's a video that shows that footage really brilliantly. It's absolutely fantastic. The atmosphere all around the world was brilliant for that. But for now, uh, I hope you've enjoyed this. If you have, make sure to subscribe on YouTube to Blood Red. Also press the notification bell so that you don't miss any future videos. And finally, check out liverpool.com because we've got loads of really good writing on there already. And there's going to be plenty more to come from America. We're sending Christian Walsh, who I'm sure you'll know out there. We've got uh, me, Joel and Dan Morgan, who's our other staff writer back at base. We'll be covering everything and it'll be really good. But for now, enjoy the rest of your day. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.